I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. If you, want to... you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then he explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, I don't to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is a search, E is in everywhere, E is an excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. <laughs> oh. All right, all right, you know. Prayer is one of those complicated issues, uh, and all of us can relate to that, uh, wherever we may be, that if you're brand new to checking out God or church or Christianity, you're just hoping that nobody asks you to pray today. We just know that we've all been there. And then when we do say yes to Jesus, we have to learn how this uh, dialogue happens between us and God. And there's all kinds of confusing thoughts about prayer. Uh, and so what I hope to do in this series is just to kind of demystify prayer a little bit, help us to realize that we can all do this thing called prayer, we can all engage in it, and that God actually calls us to. He enjoys it when we pray, and he doesn't expect us to do, expect us to do it perfectly when we do it. Now, we're confused because we don't know how to pray, right? Uh, the, really, the way we learn how to pray is that we learn from watching other people pray. Uh, and so maybe you grew up in a home where people prayed, and so you would you know, kind of mimic that prayer, or you went to a church, and you, you watched how people prayed, and you kind of mimic that that's the way. Uh, or you watch TV, and you see people pray, you mimic that way. So we, we're just confused because no one really ever stops to teach us how to pray. And, you know, we listen to some people, and they can pray, you know, up a storm, I would call it. You know, they just pray, and, you know, this is like you feel like heaven is shaking as they're praying, and they're just so, they have all the right words and phrases, and voice intonations, the whole thing to do it. And you look at that and say, well, maybe that's how I should pray. Uh, but then we also look at other people, and some of us grew up in this kind of patterns, and when they pray, it just seems to be kind of rote, you know, kind of like habit, kind of like same old, same old, trite, if you would even use that, repetitions, where they just recite things over and over again, and they just do the same things. Every time you're in prayer, they're saying pretty much the same things, and you just wonder, well, is that the way we should pray? Well, knowing how to pray can be confusing. 
Now, on the other hand, many people feel guilty about how actually little they pray or how little they actually pray. They feel guilty about that. So just a show of hands, how many would you say today, you don't pray as often as you wish you did? Just raise your hand. You don't pray as often as you wish you did. That'd be all of us, me included. All of us would be in that same place. Uh, Well, this summer, I had the opportunity to take a road trip by myself. To me, that was like heaven on earth, okay? A road trip by myself, and it was across Nevada and Utah and Colorado. So I knew that I was going to need something to, you know, occupy my mind along the way, other than the beautiful scenery I was getting across Nevada and southern Utah. Uh, And I mean it, too. I love driving across that, you know, part of the country and did it. So uh, I took along a resource by Dallas Willard. Uh, just You guys know I talk about Dallas Willard a lot. He passed away this year, one of the you know, gurus in spiritual formation of our day. Uh, and so I was listening to some uh, resources that he had produced several years earlier on leadership and spirituality. In one section, as I was driving along, Dallas was talking about the need to pray and the need to pray in a particular way and how it's essential in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. And he mentioned a book called The Mightiest Force on Earth. And and he said, if we believed this, what that book says, or even the title of that book, that it's the mightiest force on earth, and we prayed as if it was a kingdom reality, then it would change the way that we prayed. And when our prayers are changed, then that's going to change the circumstances we face. You know, so I'm listening to that as I'm driving along uh, as he's talking. So as he's talking, I'm kind of cataloging this part on prayer, just thinking, okay, well, that was, that was good, Dallas. But, you know, really what I was wanting to get to was a section I knew was coming uh, on solitude. He was getting ready to talk about, you know, how you can do the spiritual discipline with solitude. And I knew that I was getting ready to go into seven days of being totally alone uh, and three days of that would be extreme solitude, uh, where I cut myself off from all outside contact in any way, shape, or form, all media, uh, the, all you know, people, everything, just for three days to be just... And I knew I needed some help. I needed some coaching on that because I'd never really done that extended time of solitude that I was getting to do. So I was driving along, waiting on him to get to that. And then he mentioned this phrase, prayer is the mightiest force on earth. He said that, and all of a sudden... I like hear something in my head. It sounded like a voice. It wasn't audible, but it sounded like a voice. And I just want you to rest assured, I don't hear voices all the time, okay? So it's not that kind of deal. But the voice said this, Ron, this is for you. And then it content, the thought continued, and something like this. Your prayer life, the portion of your prayer life where you're making requests of me so I could sense that this was God speaking to me, That part of your life is weak and anemic. In fact, you're doing it so infrequently that you've gotten soft and out of shape. Also, this is the reason that you're struggling so much right now with feelings of insecurity, with feelings of inadequacy, as you're questioning your abilities and you're questioning where I am and what you're doing in life. And it just went on just a little bit deeper now. I just sensed God say to me, I love you too much to let you go on without bringing this to your attention. To let you go on talking about me without consistent times of talking to me. Ouch. It was an ouch. So I made a commitment at that point that I was going to do something about that 
and I was going to study prayer and its impact. Part of that commitment I made, I was driving across southern Utah, is that I would spend the end of my summer and into the fall studying this aspect, and then I would also do a series in church, which would force me to even go deeper into this thinking about prayer, and does prayer actually change things? And that I would make a new commitment to praying, as we're going to talk about today, in a way that would show that I believe wholeheartedly by my example that prayer does change things. And so that's what we're doing. This series is for all of you who have ever been at a place where you wonder just where God is, just what God may be doing. You've maybe prayed and you've not seen the answer that you would have wanted. And you're wondering, does God even hear? Does God even know? You're feeling like your prayers, when you do pray them, are just kind of hitting the ceiling of the place you're in and they're not going anywhere and there's no one actually hearing them. This series is for all of us because God wants all of us to pray. And he wants all of us to pray with the belief that prayer changes things. You read it from cover to cover in the Bible. Examples of men and women who pray. And we're going to look at some of those stories and how prayer does actually change things. So start with the key verse. I read it to you a while ago. It's right at the top of your message notes. So if you haven't gotten those out yet, go ahead and get your message notes out. They look like this. And you can follow along today. I put all the Bible verses here, but I'd love it if you grabbed your Bible and opened it to Acts chapter 12, because that's where I'm going to camp out today. Acts chapter 12. Uh, just know when you come in every week, you can grab a Bible on either side as you come in. You can use it while you're here and then leave it. If you don't own a Bible, when you leave today, please just grab one from one of the racks, because we want you to have a Bible in your home. It'd be our gift to you uh, for being here today. So right at the top, it says this. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I want to focus on for just a minute that phrase, devote yourselves to prayer. And I want to kind of, you know, pull that apart and look at it about what that actually means for us. That word devote in context right here, it means to be constant in prayer, to be constant in prayer or to be faithful in prayer. It also means to be dedicated to a task, to be dedicated to a task. So if I have a boat and I take my boat to the lake, and I put it into the lake, I get in it, and I believe the boat's going to float and carry me because the boat is dedicated to the task. And so me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God would say to me and say to you today, you are, like that boat, dedicated to float, you are dedicated to pray. So dedicated to pray, meaning that you are to be devoted to it, it's part of who you are, and that's who I've made you to be in relationship with me. Now, what's remarkable is this word devoted is used 10 times in the New Testament. Six of those 10 times are used in reference to prayer. And I'm just going to walk through those. You might write these references down if you want to look at these at another time. Acts 1.14, Jesus has just ascended to heaven. It says they were all together devoting themselves or constantly in prayer. That's number one. Number two, Acts 2.42 says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 6.4. The church was growing. It was exploding. They were not knowing exactly what to do. They were getting frayed at the ends, and they realized that if we didn't pray, that this thing was going to get, just go crazy, crazy. And so it says that the apostles devoted themselves to prayer. Romans 12, 12, a command says this, be devoted or constant in prayer. Ephesians six eighteen says this, stay alert and be devoted or persistent in your prayer life. And then the last verse that we read, Colossians 4 says, to be devoted to prayer. 
So the application of today is so simple. It's just so simple. Here it is. It's normal for a person who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ to be devoted to prayer. It's normal for someone who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ to be devoted to prayer. John Piper says this. He says, it does not mean that prayer is all we do. It's kind of setting some of us free. It doesn't mean that's all we do any more than being devoted to a wife means all a husband does is hang out with his wife. But his devotion to her affects everything else he does. He goes on to say this. It doesn't mean that prayer is all a person does, but that prayer means so much that it's part of what you do as part of your normal life. It means so much that it affects everything you do. Now, I'm not sure what that looks like for you, what would be devoted to prayer. I just know what God's been talking to me about, about what it would look like to be devoted to prayer. But here's what I do know. Even though I don't know what it looks like, I know that being devoted to prayer looks much different than not being devoted to prayer. And God knows the difference for every one of us. Being devoted to prayer means is, is, is different than not being devoted to prayer. And God knows the difference, and he wants us to be devoted to prayer. I also believe that being devoted to prayer is more than just you know the words we say because we know we're supposed to say them in circumstances and situations. So being devoted to prayer, I'm not talking about you know praying at dinner time that we're always devoted to pray for dinner time because we get to dinner time, we typically pray for the food, right? In some way. So we just kind of say the same words over and over again. We say, God, thank you for this food. And kind of that's it. Or some people say, well, I'm going to be devoted to prayer and I'm going to pray at bedtime. Now I'll lay me down to sleep. So that's not what we're talking about here. Some others say, you know what? I'm going to be devoted to prayer. I'm going to pray when I travel. And so they'll pray something like a prayer, something like God, keep me safe, uh, that every one of us would pray kind of normal prayers that every one of us would pray, uh, or that someone's looking for, you know, going shopping and looking for a parking spot. And they say, God, help me find a parking spot. You know, that kind of prayer life is what we're talking about here, that some of us are devoted to that kind of prayer life. Or a teenager would say, you know what, God, please make this zit go away by the weekend. Okay. So just kind of know, we're not talking about those kind of normal prayers that all of us pray at a certain point of our life. Those are not what we're referring to in this series as we get to it. Sometimes, What we're talking about is the need is so great, the concern is so high, the despair is so deep that you've got to know how to do a different kind of praying, just a different kind of praying. So I put the bottom line for the series. It's right there. You want to fill in the blanks. It'll be essential. Our belief that prayer changes things will directly impact our behavior concerning prayer. So if you want to know what you believe concerning prayer, the the, the quickest test is your behavior concerning prayer. Our belief that prayer changes things will directly impact our behavior concerning prayer. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk through an encounter in Acts chapter 12 where things were desperate and the church prayed and God responded. And we're going to learn from this how we can pray when we have difficult circumstances as well. So I'm going to read the first five verses uh, to you from Acts chapter 12. If I can find it here. Acts chapter 12, first five verses, okay? Here we go. About that, these, by the way, these aren't on your notes. They're going to be on the screens only, okay? About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. So the church is growing. The church is expanding. There's really cool things happening right now. King Herod Agrippa says, you know, I got to do something about this. So he started, you know, persecuting. He says, he had the apostle James, John's brother, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, killed with a sword. 
When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. So he says, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. So he says, I'm going to go right to the top. I'm going to arrest their leader, the top dog. I'm going to, do, I'm going to kill the top dog as well. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So he put him in prison and he put 16 guards of the elite command around Peter to guard him. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, let me tell you what happened. So the church is praying for Peter very earnestly. And it says, it goes on to talk about the fact that an angel appeared in jail. So an angel appears in jail sent by God. That angel appears in jail and he finds Peter sleeping. Now, I just want to, first of all, just time out a minute and just think about this whole story that you've been thrown into prison. You know that James has been killed. You know that your, your, your future looks pretty bleak right now, that you're probably going to be killed as well. Would you be laying there sleeping? I don't think so. Not me. I'd be wide awake, you know, just you know, thinking and talking and figuring it out. Going, This may be my last night alive. But he's sound asleep. Shows you a level of trust that Peter had that's going to be significant in his life later on as, he start, as he's active in the church and it's spread. So he's laying there sleeping. The angel comes in, breaks off his chains, opens the doors. Somehow the guards are oblivious to all this happening. And then Peter walks out into the street. And as he gets out of the street, it's like he wakes up from a dream. Wow, wow, I'm in the street now. I thought I was in jail. And so he says, okay, I know what to do. And so he heads over to the house where he knew that there would be people who loved him, who were praying for him, and they'd be you know, deep in prayer for him at that moment. And he goes over there and he knocks on the door. And a girl, we know her name, Rhoda, comes to the door and she answers the door. Who is there? Peter. No way, Jose. <laughs> Peter's in jail. And so there's no way. I'm Peter. And finally, somehow, she recognized his voice and she convinced him. But she was so excited by the fact that Peter was at the door that she didn't open the door to let him in. She ran back to where the folks are praying for Peter to be released from jail. And she said, Peter's at the door. And they said, no way, Jose. (laughs) You know, we know where he's at. He's been, you know, in jail. No, 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 no. He's there. And they said, okay. And so they go out and they find Peter outside. They rejoiced that God had delivered and answered their prayers. And it says then that Peter talked with them for a while, then went on his way. Herod woke up the next morning, he was totally ticked at the guards and killed all 16 of them. That's the end of how that story goes. So what I want to do today is I want to go back to where I ended with verse 5, and I put it on your notes there, and I'm going to look at this one verse today, and I'm going to talk through this one verse on how we can pray for our difficult circumstances. As I do that, what I want you to do is I want you to think of your most difficult circumstance right now, and I don't mean to cause you pain. I don't mean to bring up something that you really didn't want to think about, but I think God does want you to think about it. And I want you to bring up your deepest circumstance right now. And I want you to think what it is, and I want you to just write it on the chalkboard of your mind. And as as we go through the talk today, I want you to the end of our time today to be able to pray for that, but be able to think of that as I go through our time together. Maybe you don't have something that you would call deep despair, but you know somebody else who does, and so you might just write that on the chalkboard of your mind as I go through this. Now, right up front, you got to know this. Here's, just be really clear on this. I'm not giving you a formula on how to get God to work. There is no formula on how to get God to work. There are only examples of how God did work. So I'm going to give you an example of how God did work, and we're going to look at that together. And I'm going to look through verse 5. We're going to go through it just kind of like word for word. I'm not going to look at it in order of occurrence, but I'm going to look at it in order of what I think is priority as we go through this. So here we go. 
says, first thing I need to do, and I pray, as I must pray to God. So you want to write that down. I must pray to God. And you see the phrase there, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, for those of you who are, you know, just really highly educated uh, in this crowd today, and for those of us who aren't, that word to is a what? Not a trick question. There's not some Greek meaning, Okay. It's a preposition. Somebody said that over here. It's a preposition. And the, kind of the word to means this. It means uh, before. So it means to God. It means I'm going to go to God. So it's bringing myself to him. It means to be before the pace, face of God. It means to be moving toward God. It means to have access to God. So it means, first of all, I got to realize when I come to pray, I'm not just saying words that will have meaning to me that I need to realize when I come to pray, I'm coming to God in the presence of God when I pray. Now, some folks might think, well, Ron, does that need to be my first priority? I mean, really, who do I think I'm praying to when I pray? I think I'm praying to God. But what I want to say is, is I think that many times we take to God and it's become such a pattern for us in life, I'm praying to God, that we lose the significance on who God is. And I'm coming to who? God. God. Big G God. That's who I'm coming to right now, that I get to pray to. I'm coming to the one who has all power, the one who sees all things, the one who knows all things, the one who created all things, the one who has the power to do everything. I'm coming to that God, the one that in Isaiah chapter 6, it says that when they saw God, when Isaiah was transported into heaven, he saw that God was high and lifted up. He saw that there were seraphim flying around, that there was smoke and fire and lightning, and there were angels singing, holy, 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 holy is the God, that God. You know, that's the one we get to come to. And we get so caught up in God that we don't realize it's God that we get to talk to. So the first thing about prayer, if I'm going to really believe that God changes things, is I have to believe that God can change things because he's God, and I have to trust him to do that. But what happens to us is we get so caught up and we say, okay, it's it's all about the words. It's all about the way. It's all about, you know, I've got to say it this way because someone told me I had to do it this way for God to respond. And it's not, it's all about our, the, what we're doing instead of who we're focusing on. So the first step is I've got to say, I've got to pray to God. How would it change my prayer life if I realized that when I pray, I'm praying to that God? I've talked to you a lot about this as I just encourage you is to kind of picture you know, the whole phrase, the Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place. So everywhere you go um, is that, uh, especially if you're driving alone, you can just picture, you know, Jesus being in a, in a you know, passenger seat beside you or God there. And it's not like he's your buddy. He's there as God. And so you can have access to that God and pray and talk to him. That's what we're talking about. I think that's what the early church did because folks, they were out on the edge, way out on the edge of this new movement Got a few thousand people have said yes to Jesus Christ. The persecution of the Romans, the persecution of the Jewish officials, everywhere they went, if they left their house, they were in danger of dying. And so I believe that they knew that they needed something bigger than government. It's a key thing to think about. Bigger than people, bigger than my boss. I need something bigger that I pray to, that I rely on, that I trust, that I bring my prayers to. So think about how that would change your prayer time. If you bowed your heads, and instead of just engaging in your normal 
talk to God, this kind of rote by now, is if every time you stopped, you realized, I got to be in God's presence right now. And you just had that take your breath away experience and you come before him, you realize, oh my word, I'm with him. All of a sudden, what that does is it shrinks your problems down to what God can do and not what you can do to solve them. So my prayer When I'm praying to God, what I'm doing is I'm coming before him. I'm saying, God, I believe you're all sufficient, and I believe I'm all totally helpless right now. And that there's only one way that this is going to change, and that's through you. R.A. Torrey, famous pastor from the past, said this. We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or in private, until we are definitely conscious we have come into the presence of God, and we are really speaking to him. I just want to ask, are you aware of when you pray of who you're speaking to? Jesus said it like this. He says, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. So you're starting your prayer time by acknowledging who God is. Now, I want to take this just a little bit deeper. And uh, this is kind of like the extra credit part of today, okay? Just a little bit deeper here. So when I pray to God, I'm praying to God, right? Well, who's God? Well, the Bible says that God is three in one. The Bible says that God is Trinity, that there are three. There's God. Father God, there's Jesus the Son, and there's Holy Spirit. So how can I incorporate the three aspects of God into my prayer time? How can I incorporate the three aspects of God into my prayer time, which will just totally raise the amperage on the moments where I get to pray? Well, I'm going to give you two ideas. You want to write this down. So I first pray to God, second, in Jesus' name. So I'm praying in Jesus' name. We say our prayers in the name of Jesus. We realize we're saying our prayers in the name of Jesus, which starts with the belief that I know that I only have access to to God because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. When he went to the cross and he died and he shed his blood, he parted the curtains. And when the curtains were parted, he made it possible for me to walk into relationship with Father God. He made it possible for me to be able to talk to him, to pray to him, to have access to him in prayer. So I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I'm praying on the basis of what Jesus has done for me. But also, Jesus said it himself. He said in John 14. Actually, I want to read Hebrews 10, 19 for us so we can hear what what it says about that. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place, underlined because, because of the blood of Jesus. So everyone who knows Jesus can can know that they have personal access right into the presence of God. And then Jesus says it this. He says in John 14, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Now, this is why we close our prayers typically by saying at the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm praying on the basis of Jesus' authority. I'm praying on the basis of Jesus' character. I'm praying on the basis of what Jesus has done to bring me into the presence of God. So I'm making sure my prayer is going to honor him. So at the end of a prayer, I don't sign it sincerely, Ron. Because what can Ron do about anything? I say, in Jesus' name, and I turn my prayers into a focus on who Jesus is. Okay, so it's God, to God, in Jesus' name, through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Key phrase, through the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to know is, you have access to God 24 hours a day. You don't have to just wait till you, you know, that you come to church or you get into a certain prayer, if you have a prayer room or space, but you have access to God 24 hours a day. And so what happens is, and you're going through life, and you know what, I've, I definitely know what, what this is about. You have dryness, you have those moments where you don't feel that, 
God's hearing your prayers, that he's not responding. Uh, that I said earlier, your prayers are hitting the rooftops and they're not going any higher than the ceiling. You have those moments. What you under, need to understand is, is that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to take you literally by the hand and take you into the presence of the Father so that you know that when you're in the presence of the Father, that he's right there listening to your every request to assure you. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to the Father in prayer. Romans 8, 26 says that when we can't pray, he prays for us. So I'm praying to God in the name of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 18 says this. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, all of us through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Christ has done for us. Now, that's, this is the most important part of today is this part on who am I praying to? To God in the name of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But I want to get to this next part because it's really key to the consistency I think God wants from us in prayer. So to God, in the name of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, with intensity. So that would be your next one is pray with intensity. And the phrase is, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Some translations say the church prayed earnestly. Now, this key for us to understand this word earnest and how it relates to intensity to then evaluate my prayers and how I'm praying to God. Now, that word means to actually extend. Earnest means to extend myself. Uh, It means to be stretched out, uh, to be stretched out in some way. Uh, The same word is used when uh, talking about Jesus when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 24. It says, he, Jesus, prayed more fervently or earnestly. That's the word, fervently or earnestly. So here's his prayer. And he was in such agony of the spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. That's pretty intense. Pretty doggone intense. So the idea is that prayer is an intensely passionate coming before God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength where you're just saying to God, God, as, with as much intensity as really you can do it, and it doesn't mean it has to be out loud intensity. It can be intensity in your spirit. It doesn't mean that you're yelling or any kind of, you know, out there kind of behaviors. But what I'm saying is, is that you intensely are petitioning God because you know that if God doesn't come through, you're toast. That if you don't, he doesn't come through, you're toast. And the way you know that you believe it, whether this is true or not, because, you know, his sufficiency, your helplessness. His sufficiency, your helplessness. The way you know whether you believe this is true or not is in the perseverance and persistence of your prayer life. And I'm guilty of this. I would write a prayer request down, deeply wanting God to move. Write it in my journal, deeply wanting God to move. Next day, not refer back to it. Next day, not refer back to it holding God accountable for the prayer I prayed back there. And God's saying, I'm not sure you really want me to work. Would you be persistent? And would you persevere? Now, those of you who have kids, you know this is true with kids, is that when they want something, they know how to persevere, right? Yeah. So you got the idea here. He wants us to be persistent, and it's not being negative. It's not a lack of faith to persist with and persevere with him. It's actually what he calls us to do. And I, I wish I could just visually lay down on the floor here up here today, but that's just too much for me to do. 
And uh, there's kind of the whole stretched out thing that I'm stretching out and I'm just stretching to God. God, if you don't work, then nothing's going to happen that's good for me right now. But I believe that you're good. And so I'm coming to you because you're good. But God, you know, I need you to work in my life. So that kind of intensity is what he's calling us to. Okay, third idea is this. I need to pray with others. I need to pray with others. So earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church, by the church. Pray with others. The most powerful force on earth is when followers of Jesus Christ gather together to pray. So I love our community groups. And our community groups, my community groups specifically, and when we pray, we realize that as we're praying, this is the most powerful force on earth when we get to do this together. Now, if you don't believe that, just read the book of Acts and read how many times in the book of Acts that things happened because the church, it didn't mean the whole church because there were thousands of people, but groups would pray. And as they prayed together, that God would move and he would move in a miraculous way. Now, next week, the whole service is about this. Whole service is about us praying for others and how as we pray for others, it changes them. So you want to be here for that. Next is this. I say Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says this. Where two or three gather together as my followers, here's my promise, I am there among them. And then the last idea is that we are to pray specifically. So it says, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church for him. So they made a specific request for Peter. They just weren't gathering, go oh God, you know, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But they were going, God, our leader, if Peter doesn't, God, if Peter dies, what's going to happen to the church? And so they were so intently praying for one specific request. Now, this is the way we're going to end today. I'm going to ask you to take what you wrote on that chalkboard, and I'm going to give you a moment when you can pray to God today. And the way we're going to do this is, is that we're going to be reminded of God's sovereignty. We're going to be reminded that God is in charge, that God is in control of all things, that he is sovereign. So we're going to listen to some music that's going to talk about his sovereignty, and I'm going to come back and lead us in a focused prayer where we get to specifically take our request to him today. Let's listen.
just going to ask if you bow your heads. And this is that moment that we were talking about. You know, even by your prayer, what you're saying right now is that you believe the words to that song to be true, that you trust him. You can trust him and that you will trust him. So I just want to give you a moment now when you bring that request to God. God, we know that we have access to you today through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we come before you and we want to talk to Almighty God. Even inside, maybe the words aren't coming and It's not about saying the right words, folks. It's about having your heart before him. Holy Spirit will take your prayer to him. Direct you there. God, we trust you. You are sovereign over all things. And Father, right now, will say we trust if it's yes and we'll trust if it's no. Knowing that all things that come our way are for our good. powerful name of Jesus Christ. We pray. We're going to sing those words again. Dave's going to sing. and I just want to invite you to stay seated, but if you wanted to sing those words with, it's kind of your amen today about your prayer request. It's your affirmation. Uh, just allow yourself to be still moved into this moment where we experience this sovereignty.
Father, we thank you so much for this moment. We can come before you and we can say to you, we trust you even with our deepest concern, our biggest request. And we just ask today, God, that you would help us to be persistent now in our prayers. And uh, that as, they, as we see things changed, we will notice how much we've changed as well. Because prayer changes us as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.